Hi everyone, my name is Pastor Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to What the Flock, where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage, people don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church Appleton, and I'm joined by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church Kimberly, Pastor Joel Swakowski. What's going on? A lot. I'm excited for today's <laughs> topic. And I could see why, because we are talking about sex before marriage. Yes. So what is the background on this topic? It's a whopper. Uh-huh. So so bear with me for a moment, because this goes back hundreds of years. It's so in the Western world prior to the year 1563, consensual sexual intercourse was seen as marriage. Hmm. At the Council of Trent in 1563, it required that marriage be done by a priest in front of at least two witnesses. And then further, in 1695, the Fleet Marriage Act so we're getting into a lot of different laws right. and councils of men. Right. The Fleet Marriage Act essentially made marriage a contract in which the government was involved. So marriage had become an agreement between a man and a woman done by signing a legal contract. It was then deemed that sexual intercourse before this contract is signed was considered fornication. So the church essentially has created a law for man and woman to not have sex before marriage. Whoa. I know. (laughs) This is information that I think very few people are even aware of in the church today. So so you're saying that the definition of fornication was was from the Bible to when the law was established changed by the church right fornication has been instead of it being unbelief or um, committing idolatry has been redefined by the church as sex out of marriage or sex out of wedlock or sex before marriage and it's completely changed the way we see marriage. It's completely changed the way we see fornication. It's completely changed the way um, we see sex and consensual sexual intercourse. Okay. So now tell me it again. Now that my, now that my, I didn't even hear it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like I blacked out. Yeah, right? that's exactly just, what that feels like. Right. This is so. This is so polarizing from where we are in the church today from where we are in a culture as America and how we view sex because this isn't even just inside the church this is all over the all over America wow but this goes all the way back this is this is almost 500 years ago where this started where marriage all of a sudden had to happen by a priest in front of at least two witnesses hmm. and then You know, in 1695, it adds this caveat of also signing a legal contract that the government's involved in. Hmm. Wow. So how have people been hurt by this topic in the church? Well, 
because marriage has now been defined as this legal contract between a man and a woman, men and women who are having consensual sexual intercourse are getting married in God's eyes without knowing it. Not without God knowing it. Of course God knows. But these men and women are having consensual sexual intercourse and getting married without knowing they're married. So not only are people, how is this causing damage in the church? There's people getting married not knowing they're married. And because of the flawed view of marriage and because of the flawed view of what it means to have sex before marriage and what fornication means, pastors and leaders are confronting people in an area that's man-made. So really what we're seeing, the biggest areas this is this is damaging the church is marriage being defined as a legal contract and fornication being defined as sex outside of marriage. Okay. So how do they how do they support that in the Bible? So what these what these pastors and leaders will do is is basically use any verse in the Bible that uses the word fornication mm-hmm. to justify their perspective about sex before marriage. Because they believe fornication is defined as sex before marriage, they will use any verse that says that. So for instance, Hebrews 13, 4 says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. That word of sexually immoral is actually from the word fornication. So one way you can commit idolatry is through sexual immorality. But fornication in and of itself is committing idolatry. It's not limited to sex, having sexual intercourse with somebody. Another verse, 1 Corinthians 7, 2. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality. So even there, it starts off with this, this translation that I'm reading from has actually you it has actually retranslated the word that does mean fornication into sexual immorality. Mm. So these verses actually should read fornication, not just about sex. Mm. It's about fornication, mm. about committing idolatry. But these are verses that are used. Which are, and there's there's many other ways to to fornicate aside from sexual. Right. Okay. And that's that's one of the reasons it's such a big problem is because limiting fornication to just this sexual sin is actually removing all these other ways in this understanding of what fornication can actually be. Awesome. So how would people argue against this? What's the actual issue going on here? Well, get the, the issue is going to be how a person defines marriage. So what's interesting, this topic, sex before marriage, requires us to have a good or the right understanding behind the words that make up that statement, mm-hmm. including the biggest one is going to be marriage. Mm-hmm. So if I was defending my belief or if I was trying to defend my thought process from somebody coming after me, I could just simply ask them what their definition of marriage is. And if they don't want to go down that road, I could even just go even a little bit more specific and ask them where in the Bible does it say that marriage is a legal contract? And I'll tell you, they won't have an answer to that because it doesn't. I've heard mm-hmm. people say, well, we follow the laws of the land, I've right? I've heard that too, yep. But this goes back to the voting episode. Wait a minute. 
So is it against the law for me to not get married with a legal contract? It's like, I'm not breaking the law by getting married the way God would want me to be married. Okay, well, what about this, Pastor Joel? So there's a lot of pastors, teachers, and speakers that get up and they say to not have sex before marriage. But people are still having sex. Yeah. Um, it's it's not... Telling people what not to do is a strategy that's never worked. Mm-hmm. And and I get what, what that statement, what these pastors and leaders are trying to do with don't have sex before marriage is just proving the flawed doctrine, the flawed theology that they have about what marriage actually is. Because sex before marriage is like... An oxymoron. It doesn't make sense. It's contra- It's a contradictory statement within itself. Unless your definition of marriage is a legal contract. And unless your definition of marriage has nothing to do with sexual intercourse. So, Pastor Joel, the strict side of this uh, sex before marriage issue believes that people uh, are sinning if they have sex before marriage and they're defining marriage as a legal contract. Right. Okay. So that's, that's basically the issue that we have with the strict perspective. So let's move on to the loose perspective. Oh, actually, you know what, before we do that, let's take a call from, (laughs) wouldn't you know, it's pastor Richard Tater from, from McMillan, Alabama. Go ahead, Pastor Tater. You are on. Hello, Pastor Joe, Pastor Jonathan. This is Pastor Richard Tater. I happen to actually agree with y'all. Can you believe that? From the beginning to the end of the Bible, marriage is consensual sexual intercourse. That is why abstinence is the only way. So... Abstinence is the only way. So what I have done with my congregation is for the month of February on every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., we have Abstinence and Jesus, a course for teenagers and their parents to attend together, where at the end of the course, a contract is signed with the parents and with the child to make a covenant with Christ. And then they are given purity rings as a symbol of that commitment. So they are not fornicators. They are married to Jesus. Now, go ahead and feel free, Pastor Joel and Pastor Jonathan, to post your pictures on what the fuck uh, of your purity rings that you were growing up wearing and your contract that you signed with your parents. I look forward to seeing the pictures. I'll wait to hear your response. And as always, this is my favorite podcast. God bless. Okay, well, thank you, Pastor Dick. Uh, Pastor Joel, any comments, response? Yeah, I heard, uh, you know, I appreciate him, you know, sharing his perspective again. Yep. I've heard of purity rings. I heard, I know the abstinence approach. It's it's uh, pretty common in the church. Here's the thing. I know what we're what we're trying to do as pastors and even as parents is stopping our kids and stopping teenagers from having sex and having unwanted pregnancies and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But 
But I've found that teaching God's doctrine for marriage and what marriage actually is and how marriage actually starts is way more effective than trying to scare teenagers into not having sex by telling them it's sin. Mm. When these teenagers want to have sex, they aren't thinking about sin or pregnancy. However, when they want to have sex and they realize that consensual sexual intercourse is marriage, suddenly the mood is killed (laughs) because the consequences... It's not out of fear, but the consequences of what that sex means are so much bigger than me just sinning. Yeah. Oh, so you want to get married. Right. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you... Oh. Right. Great. Yeah. Good for you. You ready oh, to know. get married? You ready for that? Right. That is a huge <laughs> question. Awesome. So what's the loose perspective? Cover the strict perspective, PJ. What's the loose perspective? The loose would be people... You know, due to believing marriage is a legal contract, it is this belief and this attitude and behavior of I can just have sex with anyone I want and it really doesn't matter because I'm not married. Mm. It's not marriage. It's just something I can have pleasure with. And you know what? I can even convince myself that it's not that big of a deal. And it's just like, oh, so I screwed up. I had sex before marriage. I'm not married oh well i don't have to deal with this person anymore mm. i maybe never have to talk with them again i'll just tell god i'm sorry and yeah and move on and move on yeah wow so how have people been hurt by that perspective in the church well here again people are getting married without knowing it people are having mm-hmm. one night stands yeah and thinking it's just a fling or just a mistake and not realizing that they've tied their soul to that person mm-hmm. and then if that person who has that one night stand and it's consensual sexual intercourse and that person then maybe a year later meets somebody and gets married, that apparent marriage is actually a, is actually adultery. That person's already married. So people are also committing adultery without knowing it. And then also the word of God talks about when, when there's issues between a man and wife, when there's issues or when there's disagreement in a marriage, it actually hinders your prayers. Right. And God uses that as a tool to try to help the marriage. Right. Because if your prayers aren't being answered, hopefully it would get the attention of the husband and wife to realize, ooh, we need to fix something here. Wow. So how do I, how would I address this issue if... if- People where people have been hurt by that. So what I do, I love the sharing on myself strategy with yeah. these, um, you know, because the people on the loose side don't want to be directly taught. So they don't necessarily want me to directly teach them what, what the word of God says about marriage, but I can share myself and I can share that, you know, when, when I learned what marriage really was and when I learned the implications of the statement sex before marriage, what I learned is that God created marriage from the beginning and said from the beginning and through the Bible that he sees these two people as one. He sees this marri- these married people as one and, and that he sees it as consensual sexual intercourse is how that starts. 
I could just simply ask, is God wrong? Or I could ask, when did God stop seeing marriage the way it is in truth, the way it is in with consensual sexual intercourse? And when did God adjust and start agreeing with this man-made definition of marriage? Hmm. And then just let it go. Really, at this point, it's like my point shouldn't be to try to necessarily change this person's mind or get into a debate. It's just share on myself, maybe ask a few questions, and then just give up control over the interaction. Nice. So when you see this going on in the church, you know, the this topic, what are your thoughts? Well, just like everything we've been discussing up until this point, all the different topics, it always gets down to why. Even with sexual intercourse, it all gets down to why. However, this topic in particular is one that I really believe grieves God's heart. So I get bummed out the way I see marriage being handled in the church, especially when it's being handled in such a glaringly opposite way of what God's word has proclaimed it to be. Because mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's not surprising the world has screwed up marriage, but the mm-hmm. church isn't any better. And we have screwed up marriage and sex so much. And it's one of the most important topics that's near and dear to God. So marriage is what, what I, what I recognize in the church is we're missing this major point that marriage is a covenant, not a contract. It's a covenant between a man and a woman who agree to share everything they have do and are with each other. And marriage is consummated through consensual sexual intercourse. And we see this Genesis 29, the story of Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. It is, it was consensual sexual intercourse that struck the marriage covenant between these people. Mm -hmm. We also saw with Joseph and Mary, they began the covenant of marriage, but it wasn't consummated yet. Joseph had given Mary and earnest, which we see in other passages of the New Testament, like what Paul wrote in Ephesians, that Jesus gave the church an earnest, hmm. the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So in, in other words, to the way this, this contract has completely limped, contracts in and of themselves are limiting. Contracts, by their definition, mean to make smaller, and they're focused on ending where covenants can actually grow. So this is why our government set up marriages, regardless of, and regardless of sex, regardless of sexual orientation, government set up marriages are not according to the word of God. We have pastors preaching man's doctrine in the church, in the place of the word of God, when they talk about sex before marriage. And, and the word of God says, Man-made tradition makes the word of God of none effect. The and, and furthermore, because we see how marriage is near to near and dear to God's heart, how Jesus, as a way of being our groom, essentially gives us this engagement ring, the seal of the Holy Spirit, this earnest, mm-hmm. it's very much tied to marriage. So the understanding of the biblical doctrine and the understanding of marriage is also crucial 
to understanding salvation and eternal life. Salvation's a covenant. Okay. Not a is. contract. Nice. So that so that's the connection. One of the one of the reasons why it's so near and dear to, to God's heart is because it is all of those like the marriage, the earnest, all of these pictures are related to our salvation with God is that's all a picture of marriage and what marriage is going to look like. Right. What and it ought and to look like. We've talked about in other episodes before too is one of the ways we can understand these topics the way God does is by taking the topic pulling it out of its context and putting it into eternity. Mm-hmm. How does this thing work for eternity with with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, with the church? Well, this topic in and of itself begs the question, what is marriage? And we will be for eternity married to Jesus. So this we have completely screwed up this in the church to the point where what we ought to be able to do in this case is look at marriage and say, are we doing marriage the way Christ will do marriage with us for eternity? And it's so, so opposite of what he will be doing to us and how we'll be treating him as our groom that it, it's alarming. So what, what what is an earnest? An earnest is what? like that down payment. Okay. Or like an it's symbolic of, a, of an engagement ring. Okay. So we have the Holy Spirit now as an engagement ring. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's an engagement ring. So that's what Joseph and Mary was doing. Joseph and Mary at the point in the story before Christ was born, you know, Mary was a virgin. They hadn't consummated the marriage yet. He had given, he had essentially vowed to be her husband or had given an earnest or like, like a type of engagement ring. Cool. Saying we will do this, cool. which kind of which which in a sense starts the covenant, but it doesn't cut or consummate the covenant. Yet. Okay, and then a covenant is is it is that like it's an agreement? Is a promise? What it it is an agreement? Okay, that we would share. It's an agreement that and and whatever the covenant is over, a marriage covenant is a, a covenant between a man and a woman agreeing to share everything they have to and are mm-hmm. spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically with each other. Got it. There's no limitation over who they, of what they're sharing. Got it. So that's why a couple over time can share more right. of who they are. Where it's a not, contract would be. You're not going to do that thing with your body with someone else. Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and a contract is going to limit, right? A contract's going to say you get this and then if this thing happens, I get the house, you know, you get the car. It's limiting these things. It's, it's actually a contract is setting up, is setting up these people for, if this ends, how do we make sure it's fair for both of us? So yeah, a contract is in place in case someone breaks it. Right. And, and the covenant is in place, hopefully where it continually grows for the, for hopefully for eternity. Nice. Awesome. So Pastor Joel, what are the different ways that you see people responding to this issue? So the sex before marriage thing we've seen is what, four to 500 years old. So it feels like, like in the church today, people grow up with this just being what is taught and what is believed. Yep. And, you know, so it has infiltrated, it's successfully infiltrated the church to the point where we don't even know any different. But there's, there's, uh, you know, diff, there are different ways people handle this. 
And not everybody believes sex before marriage is wrong. Not everybody has the wrong understanding of, of what marriage is. But we do see different different ways this is handled. We do... the There's people I feel sorry for. These are the people who are having sex and not knowing it's marriage. Not knowing the gravity of that behavior. And, and this is really people having sex for their own pleasure and not as a way to love the other person. And really what it is, is it's people treating sex as a cause. And these people are deceived into thinking they found like a marriage loophole. Like, oh, I can have sex with this person. As long as I don't sign this legal contract, it's okay. I'm not married. Hmm. I'm still single. I'm still free. It's like this loophole. I feel bad for those people. It's a bummer. Because they're treating sex like something that is just not a big deal. But yeah. it is a huge deal. Something for them, something that they're going to take from someone else. Right. We're married, so you need to give me this thing. Right. Yeah. Then there's a group of people I understand. Um, people who get married in order to have sex. And then have to work to keep the marriage going. Because the only pleasure they get out of the marriage is sex. This is what I think's happening a lot. Yeah. Why do I get married so I can have sex and not feel guilty about Bingo, it? Bingo, right? I get, okay, I get that. Is that what marriage is really about, though? Well, if you read the Christian books out there about marriage, yeah, that's what they make it about. It's all about how do we help these people continue to have a good sex life? And... What these what these Christian books are writing, what a lot of the advice out there is doing is justifying why people ought to stay in marriages that are draining these people. Mm. The marriages are being drained. They got the benefit of the sex. So because you got married for this reason, you need to stay in this marriage for the rest of your lives. And really these books are written in a way where it's like, well, you're stuck. And you're you get, contractually yeah, obligated. You're, contractu <laughs> you're contractually obligated, so you may as well... And and you're going to have to keep having sex or you're going to get more drained. So let me try to give you some tips and tools to help you have sex as much or as more as you need to to still kind of get some energy really off of each other. Mm. Which is unfortunate because really what you're doing here is they're making sex a cause again. But, you know, I guess at least these people didn't, like, get married without knowing it. At least they knew what they were getting into. So that's why I kind of understand what they're doing. But ultimately, there's the people I'm impressed with. And this, unfortunately, is few and far between. This is people who have sex as an effect of their love for their spouse. So one of the things I've heard is... Sex is 90% of the focus of a bad marriage, mm. but 10% of the focus of a good marriage. Nice. So it's because in the point of this, a good marriage, the focus only being 10% on sex is because these people are able to grow the marriage covenant, even if they're not having sex. It's not only about the sex. That's not the reason these people got married. Mm -hmm. Sex is an effect of 
the reasons they got married. Sex is an effect of this covenant, of this union they've created right. with each other. So as the covenant grows, they express nice. their love for each other through having sex. Right. Instead of that, that's not the fuel. Right. You know, I've right. heard it be called that's the icing on the cake. It's not the cake. Nice. Yeah. The, ca- the cake is getting to know someone mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Nice. Yeah. So, what is the ultimate answer, Pastor Joel? The ultimate answer would be have sex with your spouse for their benefit. Nice. Which is love. And this is actually why. People call it making love. Hmm. But we need to understand what marriage is. We need to understand what sex is. We need to know what the definition of love even is for that to work. But people instinctually know this act when it's done right is making love because it should be done with the care and attention of the other person. Thank you, Pastor Joel. This has been What the Flock. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.